Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. When I was in junior high and elementary school, I had this, like, dream of what I wanted to be when I grew up. Anybody asking your kids, like, you know, this is what I want to be when I grow up? When I was in junior high, I knew my calling. I wanted to be a movie star. I wanted to be an actor. And I, I wanted to be, because I wanted to be Johnny Depp. Now I'm talking like, this is before Pirates of the Caribbean Johnny Depp. This is 21 Jump Street Johnny Depp, okay? Like, I wanted that Johnny Depp, like 21 Jump Street hair. I wanted the look. That was it. That was my calling in life. I was going to be Johnny Depp. And then I made it to high school. Well, just so you know, I did everything I could to, like, accomplish that. I was in, like, every school play. I was in community theater stuff. Like, if there was a chance to do any sort of theater, I was in it. I mean, just so you know, like, before I was even age 15, I wore tights probably more than every, any girl in my class because, like, I was just in so many plays. That it was because of the plays. So just make sure you know that. That's why. Lots of, lots of tights. But then I made it into high school, and like I, my calling kind of shifted a little bit. And, and instead of wanting to be an actor, I realized my calling, what I really wanted to be when I grew up, is I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be a rock star. And so, I mean, I started practicing guitar. I started practicing songwriting. I got in bands. And, like, I just went full steam ahead. Through college, I was like, I am going to be a rock star. I'm going to be in a band, and this, this is who I am. This is my calling. It's who I, I was designed to be. And, man, I chased after that. And I, I'm, I, you know, I was in bands for several years. I tried to make a career of it. And then, in my early 20s, I found myself working at a collection agency, calling people to pay their bills. And this was me. Uh, hi, my name is Chris. Actually, I had an alias. My name was Alex Mills, because when you're collecting bills, you don't want people to know your names because they'll come to your house and kill you. That was an honest threat that I had on my life multiple times. So I was like, hi, this is Alex Mills. I just want you to know this is an attempt to collect a debt. Any information will be used for that purpose, and payment in full is due. And then you pause to allow them to respond so they can pay their bill. Just a lesson if you ever need to collect a debt. But that was like, that was my life. And at that point in my life, I realized I have no idea what my calling is. Because everything that I thought I was going to be, everything I thought I was created to do, I'd been working my whole life to get to that point. And then when I found myself working at a collection agency, collecting bills, I realized why am I here? What am I even here for? And then there was a bigger question that I, I had to ask myself. It's this. It's like, if I'm here collecting bills now, is this my life? Is this now who I am? Is this like, like five years from now, is this where I'm going to be? Am I going to be sitting on a phone, making an attempt to collect a debt, telling people payment in full is due? Is this, is this just my life now? And I kind of, I started to like think about life and think about my future. And I know that like many of you have been in a similar situation. Maybe you had dreams for your future or dreams for your life, but you found yourself in a spot where you're like, is this it? Is this where I'm going to be? Maybe you still have dreams for your future, but as you look ahead, like you're just not there yet. And, and you just kind of evaluate your life. You say, this is where I am, but, but someday I'm going to be here. Someday I'm going to be there. And I just like, just for a Let's just think about that for a second. Where do you want to be in five years? Five years from now, what do you think your life is going to look like? What do you want your life to look like? 
I mean, think about like the different areas of your life. You know, maybe just in, in relationship to kids. Maybe you don't have kids right now. So five years from now, your life looks very different because you have children. Or maybe you have really young kids, and five years from now, your kids are in school. And so the idea of like, like the freedom that comes from not having your children on your legs all day, every day, and like going to school, it's like, oh, deep breath. That's amazing. Maybe like your kids are going to be in high school and driving, and it's a totally different phase of life. Maybe you're like me. Five years from now, I look at my kids, and my kids are all out of the house in five years. And that is like, that's a double-edged sword, because on the one hand, it's like, I love them, and I'm going to miss them, and I just, I love having them around. And on the other hand, my house is going to be so clean. (laughs) Five years from now, what does your life look like five years from now in relationship to your job, your career? Are you in the same place? Are you working for the same company? Are you in the same position? Are you making more money? Have you moved on to a different company? I mean, where do you want to be in five years? Think about, like, just even, like, where you live. Are you in the same house? In a different house? Are you in a different city, a different state? Where do you want to be in five, five years? Your, your marriage. What, do you, what does your marriage look like in five years? Is it better? Is it stronger? Do you love your husband or your wife a lot more? Are you still married in five years to the same person? You know, is there, what does your marriage look like for you in five years? And I know that's like jarring, right? Because you're like, I'm supposed to say, what does your marriage look like in five years? And it's like a Disney princess. But like asking the question, are you still married? Because some of you guys have entertained that thought like five years from now, is this where I really want to be? Is this where I still will be? Which, which leads us to the question of like, five years from now, is my life going to be better or is my life going to be worse? Or really, honestly, is my life just going to be the same because I'm not going to do anything? And I'll tell you, I think for most of us, I think most of us kind of probably expect our lives to be the same or worse. Because it requires a lot of intentionality for our life to be better. Like, think about your body, for example. Like, where is your body going to be five years from now, okay? I, I am over 40 now, and like... Even like up at like age 39, right, for the entire first 39 years of my life, there is this feeling like my body's going to be awesome for my entire life. And then I turned 40, and I was like, dear God in heaven, what is happening to my body? It's like, you got, I got to be really intentional about it. So like five years from now, am, am I going to be just a, a blob, a wet, like sticky blob on the floor? Or am I going to have a Chris Hemsworth body like I have right now? And it's like, I don't know. But I know this. It's like the Chris Hemsworth body. It's going to require intentionality because you can't have a Chris Hemsworth body unless you have a Chris Hemsworth workout and eating plan. It doesn't happen on accident. Good things in our lives, good changes, the places we really want to be don't happen unless we're intentional about it. I'll say this, your marriage, if you're not intentional about where your marriage is going to be in five years, your marriage will not be any better than it is right now. And I would even go so far as to say just in life, whether it's our bodies, our marriages, our families, our careers, that unless we're intentional about taking things as a certain direction, I think that the natural gravity of life, the natural gravity of culture, probably tends to make things worse than they are right now without some sort of intentionality pushing forward. So five years from now, what do you want your life to look like? Spiritually, five years from now, what do you want your life to look like? What do you think it looks like? You know, do you want your relationship with God to be stronger? Do you want it to be uh, more fulfilling and more satisfying? Do you expect it to be about the same? Maybe you're at a point right now where you're in, in your faith journey and you're, you're trying this thing out, but it doesn't really feel like there's a lot of great things happening in your relationship with God. Maybe you're at a point right now where you're not even sure five years from now if this is going to be a thing you're going to still be part of. 
But I'll tell you this, just like any other aspect of your life, your spiritual journey, your spiritual life, if it's going to be better, it's going to require some sort of intentionality. And here's the thing, as, as, as your pastor and as someone who cares about your life, I am invested in the next five years of your life being the best five years of your life. And five years from now, I want your marriage to be better. I want your family to be better. I want your job, your career, your relationships, and your relationship with God. Five years from now, I want all of that stuff to be amazing. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about some three key areas of our lives uh, that I think require some attention and focus if five years from now we want to have the best life we can possibly be living. And I think that those three key areas are in the area of our calling, area of vision, And the area of opportunity. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk about our calling. I want to talk about that thing that we feel like we are called to be or called to do. And whether you're called to be Johnny Depp or whether you're called to be a rock star, whatever that is for you, I want to help you understand your calling. And I want to help you understand your role in that in your life. And so the Apostle Paul, in a letter that he wrote to to the church in Rome 2,000 years ago, Paul talks a lot about his calling. And he brings some clarity, I think, to to ways that we can evaluate our calling and look at what God's really plan and purpose for calling is in our life. And so so I just want to start off by talking about what is our calling and how do we even find it? Like I don't I mean I don't even like really even know how to even start. And as I was researching this message, I went online and I just searched what is my calling because I thought I thought, man, if this is what people do to find out their calling, go to Google and search it up. Maybe I should do the same thing. And here's what I discovered. I discovered that you can find your calling by going to Oprah.com, and there is a calling test that you can take. And so I took this test to discover what my calling was, and I found out that my calling is to pursue areas of life that will help me to increase knowledge and help me to increase control. Now, those of you who know me are like, yeah, that sounds about right. You, Chris has this, he needs to be in control of things. And, and, but here's the thing, like, Oprah may not have all the answers for us. Like, Oprah.com, it was, it was good to understand that about myself, but it really didn't, like, help to define what am I made for, what am I designed for, and what am I wired for. And I think that, I'll even go so far as to say this, maybe you guys have wrestled with your calling, and, and we kind of approach it like a pair of jeans, you know. And we just try on all sorts of different callings until we find that calling that makes our butt look really good, you know. And, and we just, we try out, it's like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It's like, what is just the perfect, right fit for me? Because we tend to think that our calling is related to our talents and abilities, right? It's like, what am I good at? Uh, what is my personality type? What do I enjoy? And then these are the things I'm not good at. These are the things I don't enjoy. And that means everything over here must be my calling. We try on all sorts of different callings until maybe we can figure out something that, that fits, maybe something that's good. But even then, I think that it's like, it can be even more confusing than it was before we tried to figure out our calling because there's just so many options. I mean, when, when Terry and I go on a date night, we'll spend the first 15 minutes sitting in the car just trying to figure out where we're going to go to eat. It's like, well, we could go here, we could go here, we could go here. I don't want to leave a tip, but we could do that. And it's just like, ah, like, how do you figure out what your calling in life is when there's so many options and opportunities? Here's the one thing I want you to know. You need to know this, that God created you with a call. You were fearfully and wonderfully and perfectly designed for the calling that God has created you for. And, and when he looks down at your life, he sees someone who has a purpose. 
and a plan. When God drew you up on a blueprint, he didn't just draw a quick sketch and then just breathe life into you and then just send you out in the world. He drew a blueprint and he said, this is what they're going to do. This is what they're going to be wired for. This is what they could accomplish. God created you for a calling. And today I want to talk about the importance of that calling and understanding how we can really walk in it. Now, the Apostle Paul, he, 2,000 years ago, he was really the guy who kind of got the church started across the world. Uh, the, you know, Jesus' disciples, uh, Jesus died and he rose, rose from the dead, and his disciples were starting this new movement in the area of Jerusalem. But Paul was really one of the first people who said, we need to take this outside and take it to the world at large. And so he started churches all over the ancient world. And he would write letters to churches, trying to give them information and, and help them understand what, how they were to live out the Christian life and how they were best to follow Jesus. And Paul, in Romans chapter 15, this letter that he writes to the Roman church, gives us some instruction on the importance of, of calling in our lives. And as he talks about the importance of the calling in his life, and this is what Paul said. He said, I'm fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. You know these things so well so that you can teach others about them. Even so, I've been bold enough to write about some of these points, knowing that all you need is this reminder. So Paul's basically starting out, in the first 14 chapters of Romans, he's basically laid out the gospel. He's explained Jesus, what Jesus' plan was, what Jesus means for each and every single one of us, and he's laid all this stuff out for the church in Rome. And then in Romans chapter 15, he pivots, and he's like, listen, I, you, I know you guys understand this. You guys understand this well enough that you could teach each other. He's like, I, just, I feel like I just had to make sure that I could, I could be bold enough to remind you of some of these points because you just need a reminder. But then he says this, for by God's grace, I am a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. So what is a Gentile? Basically back then a Gentile was anyone who wasn't Jewish. The Jewish faith was very inward focused. Um, If you were Jewish, you were in. If you weren't Jewish, you were out. And when, when Jesus came and Christianity started, it really started inside of Judaism. In fact, many of the original Christians felt that Christianity was a sect of Judaism, that it was the completion of Judaism. And there were those at the very beginning who felt like it was for the Jewish people and the Jewish people alone. But Paul had this different thought. Paul had this different feeling on what it was supposed to be. And actually, it wasn't even just a feeling. This was his calling. Because Paul says, by God's grace, I am a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. Paul understood what his calling was. Paul's calling was to take the gospel to people who are outside of the Jewish faith. His calling was to take this message to people who are outside of Jerusalem and outside of areas of of Jewish leadership and Jewish control. Now, there were other apostles, Jesus' other disciples, at the time, we had a different calling because most of those guys hung out in Jerusalem. And most of those guys taught Jewish believers and they raised up the church in Jerusalem, which was primarily uh, Jewish Christians. Their calling was different than Paul's. And Paul never says anything about their calling being wrong. But Paul's very specific about what his calling is. In fact, check this out. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says this. He says, this letter is from Paul, chosen. In other translation, it says the word called. Called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. And then he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, later in that same letter. He says, yet preaching the good news isn't something that I can boast about because I'm compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. This was Paul's calling. And Paul understood, and one thing we need to understand about our calling is that his calling came from God. It wasn't about his talent. It wasn't about his ability. It wasn't about how he was raised or where he came from. 
This was something that came directly from God. And because it came from directly, directly from God, Paul was compelled to operate in his calling. He was compelled to go forward and, and move in it. Compass, our church, we have a calling as a church. And when we started Compass five years ago, you know, we, we, we prayed about it and we thought about it and we wrestled with this, this idea of why does Compass exist? And I, some of you guys, just the idea of a new church, why does a new church need to exist when there's other churches that people could, could sit in? There's other churches where, that have seats where people could go hang out in. Why do we need to start a new church? And I wrestled with that question when I felt like God was leading us to do this. And I, I asked myself, why does Compass need to exist? And then I asked this, what, what is it that Compass can do that other churches can't do? Or what is it that Compass can do that other, better than other churches in town? Or, or better than any other churches in our world? Why does Compass need to exist? And as we prayed about it and wrestled with it, God revealed what our calling as a church is. And from the very beginning, our calling as a church is to be a church for people who don't like church. I mean, that was our first vision statement, in fact, is that Compass existed because we were a church for people who straight up don't like church. People who, who feel weird walking through the doors at church, who feel awkward, who don't like churchy churchness. You know, people who like, who've never been through the doors of church before and have no idea what it's supposed to be, who have these conceptions about how church exists and how it's weird and uncomfortable and awkward. Our calling as a church from the very beginning was to be a church for people who are, who are just unchurched. And so everything we do runs through the filter of our calling. Our music, our style is not because we think it's just cool. It's because we, want, we don't want a style of music to be a turnoff for someone who's never been in church before. Our lights are low because I think it's going to be a little weird for someone who's never been in church before to stand up and have it be really bright. Our music's a little loud because like someone who's never been in church before doesn't know what it's like to sing out of a hymnal and might feel a little weird if the person next to them can hear them singing. Can I get an amen? amen. Right? <laughs> And so everything that we do, we do through the filter of, of being a church for people who don't like church. People who are unchurched and never been here before. Because that is our calling. It's God created us to be. My calling. I mean, I, specifically, part of my calling is this. Part of my calling is to communicate the Bible in ways that, can, that it can connect and make sense to people who have never heard or thought about the Bible before. It's just part of, it's part of my calling. And, and because of that, you're never going to hear me read the King James Version of the Bible. And I know there's people who think the King James Version of the Bible is God's version of the Bible. And God bless you. But someone who, who lives outside in just the real world and has never walked through the doors of a church, they don't speak in these and thous. Okay? That's just not a common tongue for them to speak. It just doesn't happen. And, and, and it also means this, is that you know, you're probably never going to hear me doing a bunch of messages talking about the deep things of prophecy, you know, or trying to go deep into the end times. And I know that stuff is really interesting. But, but for the single mom who lives in our community and, is, and is, who thinks the church is irrelevant to her life, she's not thinking about the things and worrying about the things of the end times. And so my calling is to connect the, the practical realities, the practical everyday realities that exist in God's word to people who've never heard it before. Now, I want to do that in a ways that the mature Christians can get something out of it too, but do you, you honestly, like, this is just a little side note for those of you who are, like, mature Christians, you've been in church a long time, and maybe you wonder why, you know, Chris doesn't really jump into, like, the wheel within a wheel from Daniel, you know, why, why that isn't a thing, which, yeah, some of you guys chuckle because you're the person I'm talking to if you got that joke. <laughs> My goal for you it's not that I can tease you into getting you into the deep things of the word. My goal for you is that I can connect with people who are, who are really unchurched and like the Bible is kind of new to them. And to help you understand how to communicate the Bible to people in your life. 
in the same way so that you can do what I do. That's, it's my calling. That's who Compass is. It's who I'm called to be. And can I tell you, God has a calling for your life. God has a specific call for you. He designed it. He ordained it. He set it up. It's his plan. It may have nothing to do with your talents and abilities. And it may have everything to do with what God has ordained and planned for you. And there's a couple things as it relates to our calling that we're going to see as Paul continues writing in Romans chapter 15 that I think will help us to understand what is supposed to happen, what we can expect when we are operating and walking in our calling, and when we understand what our calling is supposed to be. Just really a couple things. And the first, the first thing is this, is that when you're operating your calling, when you understand what it is, your calling should feel like a party. Your calling, it should feel awesome. It should feel like a freaking party. This is what Paul says. He says, by God's grace, I'm a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. I bring the good news so that I might present you as an acceptable offering to God made holy by the Holy Spirit. That's his calling. That's what it's all about. This is what I do. And then he says this, so I have reason to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done through me in my service to God. Paul's like, I'm living in my calling. I'm walking it out. This is what it is. I can explain it to you. And because of that, I got reason to be enthusiastic. My life is a party. My life is joyful. It is awesome. Because I'm operating, I'm walking in what God called me to do. Now, if you know anything about Paul, this is kind of a tough thing to understand him saying. Because Paul's life wasn't like rainbows and, and, you know, sunflowers. That That was not Paul's life. In preaching the gospel, Paul made enemies of the Jewish leaders, the Jewish religious leaders. Paul made enemies of, of the Roman government. There were people who were always coming after him. He, people threw rocks at him in, until they thought he was dead one time. Paul was beaten and tortured. He, he was, he, Paul was hung upside down and beaten with rods on the bottom of his feet in a way that the Roman government did that was really designed to break the bones in your feet so that you couldn't walk. All because he preached the gospel. Paul was in prison all the time. Because he preached the gospel. And a lot, I mean, really, by any objective standard, Paul's life sucked. And yet Paul here is saying this. He's saying, I am called by God to take the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. And you know what? It's awesome. It's a party. I'm so enthusiastic about what I am doing because I'm walking and serving in my calling. And can I tell you, when you understand what your calling is and when you begin to, to, to step into it, when you lean into it, your life will become a party. You will have something to be excited about, something to be joyful about because God created you for a greater purpose. And when you walk in it, man, it is incredible. It, it, everything feels like it lines up. Like, for example, a couple weeks ago, we were on a missions trip to the Appalachian Mountains of Kentucky. And one of the things that we did on the team is we went and hung out at the YMCA with, with a bunch of kids. And I enjoy that because I get to act stupid and act like a kid. And one of the things that we did is we were inside the gym. We played kickball. And anything where there's like you're playing with like the balls that hit people in the face and that hurt. I love those games. And so we're playing kickball and I'm on a team with a bunch of these little kids and it was my turn at bat. And I, I turned to the kids on my team. I'm like, what do you guys think? Should I just kick a home run? Should I just do that? They're like, yeah. I was like, okay, that's just what I'll do then. No big, no big whoop. It's just what I do. And so I step back and this little eight-year-old girl takes the ball and she rolls it to me. 
And I just like, you ever like sometimes in your life, everything just like clicks? It was like slow motion. I'm just like, no, 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 no. I'm just stepping up. And I get up and, and like just the leg is back. And I just, and I connected with the ball. It was like my foot was dead center of the ball. And the ball like just wrapped around my foot for a second. It was glorious. And then it just, and it just flies. It was like I was created for that moment in my life. It was glorious. And, and. Can I tell you, when you are operating in your calling, it is like running up and kicking a perfect home running kickball. It is amazing. And that's how it feels. That's how God made it for us to feel. And here's what happened afterwards. I hit the ball, and it just, it was, it was beautiful. And I'm like, in my mind, home run. <laughs> and all the kids are like, you're amazing. I want you to be my dad. That's, that's what I thought they were saying. But, and it just flies up and up and up. And then it just completely plowed into one of the hanging lights in the gymnasium. And the light just bangs. And it hits the ceiling and it's swinging back and forth. And I, I'm like, uh, And I look at the kids and the kids are like, uh, And I look at the teachers and they're like, uh, And then I'm like, oh my gosh, that's going to fall on some child's head. And it didn't. And then the ball, it just bounces off and it drops right into the arms of a little 10-year-old boy. <laughs> but you know what? Like for him, it was like he won the Super Bowl. Because for every, that was his calling, man. Everything lined up for that kid. And he caught it, and he's running around, and he's like, I got you out. And I was like, you did, and it was the coolest. Because it doesn't matter whether you're kicking the home run or whether you're catching that ball that was the home run. You are operating in your calling. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just, I'm so excited. I'm choking on my own spit. Man, when you're operating in your calling, it, it's amazing. Your life is a party. Everything just opens up and everything starts to work. And that, that's what life was like for Paul. There's a second thing that happen when we un, happens when we understand our calling and when we're walking in it, and it's this. It's that God works through you when you work through your calling. When you work through your calling, God starts to work through you. This is what Paul says. He, he says, I did all this stuff. I was enthusiastic about my calling. And he says, yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. He's like, I did all of that stuff. It was amazing. It was a party. It was glorious. But he's like, but listen, it wasn't even really me. I'm not boasting about that. I'm not... I kicked the home run, but it wasn't even really me because it was Christ who worked through me. And then he says this, the, the Gentiles that I, that I brought the gospel to, they were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's spirit. And he says, in this way, in the way of God's power working through me, not by my own talents and abilities, not by any of that stuff, but in, in, in this way, God's power at work in me, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. This, he's like, listen, when I stepped out in my calling, I, he described what it was. I've been called to reach the Gentiles, and I was enthusiastic about it. Life's amazing. It's a party, but I want you to know this. It wasn't me, but it was God's power working through me. When you understand your calling and when you walk in it, when you lean into it, you start to experience God's power moving and working in you. God's power starts to lift you up and he starts to do things in and through your life that you could have never done on your own because it's his power at work in you. There is a, and listen, there is a supernatural power of God at work that releases into our lives. 
And by saying yes to his appointment, by saying yes to his call, what he's called us to do, we're saying yes to his help. When we say yes to God's call, we're saying yes to his help, to his power being released and moving fully and powerfully in our lives. And because here's the thing, our calling is not about what we can do. Our calling is about what Christ can do through us. Your calling is not about what you are capable of. That's just your ability. Your calling is about what Christ can do through you. And I'm telling you, God's got a call for your life. He's got a call on your life. Something incredible and amazing that he wants to do in you and through you. Man, and when you say yes to that, life starts to click. It starts to work. It starts to feel amazing. And you start to see God's power moving and working in your life, in your family, and in the people around you. So what do you do if you don't know what your calling is? What if you know, what if all of this stuff is true, but I don't know what my calling is? How do I know where, what it is? How do I even know how to discover what my calling is? And I think the best way to do that is to really go back to the beginning of Paul's story. See, the beginning of Paul's story, Paul was a good Jewish guy who hated Christians. He hated Christianity, and, and he made it his mission to wipe it out. He went and arrested Christians. He tortured Christians. He stood by while they were killed. In fact, he was on his way to go to another city to arrest a bunch of Christians and throw them in prison to try and stomp this thing out. And while he was on his way there, God appeared to him. And he was like, Paul, why are you doing this? And when God appeared to Paul, when he had this encounter with God, uh, he was blinded. And and, in reality, he wasn't even really a follower of Jesus at this point. It was just like God intersected his life. And he was like, what is going on? What is happening right now? And, And in the city where he was going was a man named Ananias, who was a follower of Jesus. He was a Christian. And and. God showed up and spoke to Ananias, and it's really important to see what God said to him. In Acts chapter 9, 15, this is what happens. The Lord said to Ananias, go for Saul, which was Paul's name before he changed it. Saul was kind of his Jewish name, and Paul was what the Greeks would have used to say it, so he kind of went with Paul. He says, go for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. Here's why this is important, okay? And this is, this is why this is important for us to grasp. This message from God to Ananias, God, where God told Ananias what Paul's call was, happened before Paul had ever heard his calling for himself. Honestly, it really happened before Paul was even a follower of Jesus. Paul wasn't even really a Christian. He wasn't even really in the fold at this point. And yet God knew what the calling for Paul's life was already. And God was revealing it to somebody else. God knows what your call is. God knew what your calling was before you were a glint in your daddy's eyes. God has a plan and purpose for you. Check this out. This is what Paul says in his own words about his calling. In Acts chapter 22, because Paul told the story about his, his conversion often, and his, he talked about his calling a lot. And Paul says this, he says, Then the Lord said to me, Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So God revealed Paul's calling before Paul was even a follower of Jesus, to somebody else before he revealed it to Paul. And then, then God revealed that calling to Paul directly, Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The common denominator is this, is that God revealed the calling. God ordained it, he designed it, and then he revealed it. 
And we discover our calling when we begin to seek God out. We discover our purpose, God's plan for our life. We discover it when we begin to seek him in order to discover it. And when we seek God, he will reveal it to us because it only comes from him. It doesn't come from Oprah.com. It only comes from God. So when I was working at that collection agency, right, I was really at this like weird crossroads in my life. I was like, God, why am I here? What am I even doing? This is not who you created me to be. What a waste of my life. And I, I honestly, I begin to like seek God. And I wasn't seeking God like in the, like I'm just going to be honest about myself. I wasn't like, oh, Father, I just trust you. Whatever you want to do, Father, just do it. Yes. And reveal unto me my calling. And I will say yes upon thee unto you. And it wasn't that. You know, I, I was, I was frustrated. I was mad. I was confused. I was like, God, I think you might have got this wrong. I think you screwed up. Like, I shouldn't be here. This is wrong. I was made for something more. I was made for something different. And I'm being wasted here. And I was angry when I engaged God on this. And I sought God on it. And I was just like, God, you need to do something because this isn't right. And as I sought God and as I prayed about it, God began to reveal to me what what my calling really was. And I, and I began to understand, like as I was seeking God out, that, that I needed to serve in the church body. That my calling was this. My, my calling was to serve people within the church so that they can be equipped to fulfill the mission that God's called them to. And so even then, in my early 20s, I just like, okay, well, if this is what I'm, I'm going to do, then I just, I'm going to get involved. So I started, I got involved with youth ministry. And I started just hanging out with teenagers because, again, like kickball. You know, that's a thing I could do. And so I, I, I began to lead junior high small group and lead junior hires. And then, then I got involved in leading worship at the church. I led worship at the youth ministry. And I started playing the band and leading worship on Sunday mornings. And, and ultimately, it, wasn't, it, it was for no other reason than I felt like God was saying, this is who I've created you to be. And so I said, fine, I'm going to do it. I wasn't getting paid. It wasn't a career. It wasn't a job. In fact, I had, no, I had no interest in doing ministry at all. I, I thought that was stupid. I thought only chumps did ministry. I was just like, but th- I was like, I can serve at the local church as a volunteer. And can I tell you what happened? My job didn't change. I still kind of hated it. But as I sat there, I was no longer asking God, why am I here? What a waste of my life. God, you've screwed up. But I began to realize that as I stepped into my calling, as I began to live it out, it wasn't a career, it wasn't money, it wasn't any of those things, but it, I began to experience this joy and enthusiasm for what God created me to do. I started to feel like I was kicking home runs over and over again. And, and I began to see God's power at work in my life, in my marriage, in my family, and in, honestly, in the people who I was, I was serving in, in youth ministry and in worship. And I began to see God do these things. And it didn't matter where I worked anymore because that was just my day job. That was just the thing I did to pay the bills so that then I could go out on the weekends and on weeknights and I could actually fulfill my real calling. Again, not my calling where I got paid, but the calling that God called me and created and designed me to do what he created me to be. As I understood my calling, everything shifted and everything changed for me and for you, wherever you are in your life. You may be at a point right now where you totally understand your calling. You're like, this is what it's supposed to be. And yet, maybe you've lost some excitement over it. Maybe life just took over and you got busy with kids and their sports schedule. And maybe you got busy at work and, you know, maybe you're just tired and so... Even though you know your calling is this, you kind of just stepped away from it for now. Maybe you just, you and your calling, you're taking a break, you know. I'm telling you today, what, what God's asking you to do is to lean back in. Lean into your calling. 
There's joy. There's enthusiasm. There's a party of life when you lean into your calling. And there's power from God to do the work through you. It's not about what you can do. It's what he can do through you. So if you, if you know what your calling is, maybe you've known since you were a little kid, God made it clear to you, and you just you kind of just kept it at a distance. Lean into it. Maybe you're and you don't know what your calling is. You're a follower of Jesus, and, and you're like, I don't, understand. I don't know what it is. I want it. I want this fulfillment. I want, I want that thing. Today, we're just going to pray, and we're going to ask God together in just, just a few moments that God reveals his calling to you, and maybe for you, the step you need to be in taking is seeking God, spending time with him, talking to him, asking him what he would have you do. Maybe it means wrestling with God because you're frustrated and you're angry and you're disappointed with where your life is. But you're seeking him out. And as you do that, he'll begin to reveal the call that he's placed on your life. And maybe you're here. Maybe you're not even a follower of Jesus. Maybe the church stuff, you're not a Bible person. You know, this is all fairly new to you. And yet, as you're hearing this, you want this. Something speaking into your heart, into your spirit, and you realize this is what you need. This is what you've been searching for. And today, maybe for you, that first step is just to say yes to Jesus. Maybe the first call that you need to answer is the one where Jesus is saying, come and follow me. But as you do, he can line up your life so that everything we've talked about, everything that Paul experienced, you can begin to experience in your life as well. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for what you're speaking to us this morning. And I pray, God, that you would open our hearts, open our ears, and open our eyes, God, to receive from you. So first, God, I pray for those of us who are followers of Jesus and we know what our calling is, but maybe we've been running from it a little bit. Maybe we've put it off. Maybe life has just gotten a hold of us and we've, we've, we've put other things in priority. And Father, I, for those of us, I pray this, God, I pray that you would help us to lean into our calling, God. I pray that you would help us to reprioritize that which you've created us to do. And Lord, I pray that even today, God, that you would start filling our lives with that enthusiasm, with the joy that comes from being obedient and walking in what we were created to be. And God, that we begin to see your power at work in us as we start to take the small steps of leaning into our calling. Pray for those of us who have been followers of Jesus for a long time, God, and we just, we've never really discovered what we're called to be or to do. And maybe that's something, God, that we really want. And God, whether, whether we don't know what that is because we just haven't sought you and maybe we haven't spent enough time seeking you, God, or maybe it's just you haven't really revealed it to us yet. God, I believe this, that you want us to know that because you want us to experience exactly what we're talking about today. So for each of us, I pray, God, that you would open our eyes to see what your call for us really is. I pray you would help us to seek you out, God, not just on Sunday, but every day, God. And that as we seek you out, you not only reveal your will for us, you not only reveal our calling, God, but you reveal who you are. As our relationship with you grows and thrives, God, so would our lives reveal our calling to us, Lord. And for those of us who today are saying, I'm ready to make a decision to follow Jesus. God, with them I pray this. God, I pray that you would, that you would accept and receive my life. God, I lay it down before you. God, I've tried it on my own, and it hasn't worked. God, it keeps backfiring. God, I've tried to make this thing work, this life work, and it just isn't. And so today, I'm willing to say, Jesus, yes to you take my life, God. I will follow you wherever you lead, God. I confess, Lord, that I'm a sinner. I just have lived a broken life, and I'm ready for you to, God, lead me on a better path to give me the best life I could ever live by just saying yes to you. So today I start by saying yes to you, Jesus. Come into my life. Make me new. Make me whole. Jesus, we love you, and we pray that you would move in each of us as you guide us into the callings you've created us for, and I pray it all in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. 
If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com. 